In this episode, I talk with Tamisha Williams. She shares ideas that make teaching and learning with uncertainty grounding and uplifting. Welcome back to um, Teaching and Learning with Uncertainty. And in this episode, I'm speaking with Tamisha Williams. She is a <laughs> dynamic facilitator who uses movement and storytelling to nurture the growth and development of those she serves. She is skilled in assessing and developing institutional initiatives, practices, and policies. As a transformational leader and coach, she inspires educators to deepen their equity and racial literacy skills. Welcome to Misha. I am so happy to have you here. Today. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you so much, Rhonda. Yeah. So how are you doing? You know, <sighs> pandemic life has been a thing. And, you know, when I started this podcast, I could not foresee that we would still be in pandemic life. So. Mm. How's that going for you? How yeah. You um, one, I just appreciate the ask. <laughs> like, I feel like when someone asks that question genuinely and it's not kind of like we're crossing each other in the hallway and you actually have a moment, it's someone you trust enough to say like, oh, let me tell you the real answer. I just feel a sense of, oh, thank you. Like just even that lifts any mood. Yeah. Um, so I've been using the phrase like I'm present a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> because that's how I felt is um, and am feeling is that I'm, I'm present, I'm here, I'm getting things done. Um, and then the moods in between just continue to fluctuate always, mm -hmm. um, whether it be, you know, exhaustion is always present, um, feeling a constant desire for a change of pace. And then these really good high peak moments, you know, in between. Um, but even just that up and down, is exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I, a lot of times for me, I'm like, I'm present. I I'm doing my best, like it, whatever I'm doing in that moment to be there for it. Um, and also checking in with my body a lot to say like, Ooh, a little tired today, a little testy today, a little, <laughs> and this very moment though, um, doing good. And you mentioned not thinking we were still going to be here. We're almost coming up on a year, right. When we were all kind of like, Oh, wait, um, what is this? And I remember somewhere around April, May of last year, I had some colleagues who were just doing a lot more research into COVID than I was. I was like, I'm just, y'all tell me what to do and I'll do it. I'm staying inside, you know? <laughs> um, and they were saying, you know, that the people that they were talking to said like, this is going to be a two year thing. You know, like we're really going to, and I kept that in my head because I said, you know what? I like to kind of prepare for the extreme. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I've been. So I... In that way, I've kind of felt a little settled in this um, and just to doing my best to just like keep doing what you're doing and just, you know, so that we can make it to the other end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's so many things you said in that that, that resonate with me. And one of them is just the notion of just being present and doing the best I can in the yes. moment. Yes. Right. And so that makes this pandemic living doable. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's when we sit and worry about what's it going to be like or when is it going to end yeah. that we get ourselves all worked up. But just mm -hmm. really 
being in the present moment and just knowing that you are doing the best you can right now. Yes, yes. <laughs> not, not that's all we can do. But right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that that's so important. That's such an important message, I think, for people to hear, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. because I don't know, you know, I was listening to, I don't know what it was, but just yesterday, and someone was saying, um, we may be here still come like September. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so to me, if we're going to be here September, that means possibly December until the, the end of the year. That's so we're it. Talking about right. You another... need to always extend past. <laughs> right. You know, so yeah. it's going to be a minute, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, I think just collectively we need to figure out how to hold on. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that message of being present in this moment and doing mm-hmm. the best I can in this moment that's it. kind of key for that. Yeah. 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 Just knowing the, I mean, you, <laughs> your podcast has uncertainty in the title, <laughs> but I've been speaking a lot just even about the unpredictability of things. Um, since I don't remember actually when I started my vacation um, message on my email, but on my personal consulting email, it's, I mean, it's probably coming up on a year. I've actually just kept a constant vacation message up at this point, because things are so unpredictable for me. And I was feeling this like, oh my gosh, I can't keep up. Oh my gosh. Um, And as finally, I was just like, you just need to manage your own expectations and then help manage other people's. And that was one of the best um, pieces of feedback my mentor gave me when I first started uh, my first job job. Um, I was at the University of Richmond and my mentor, Dr. Cade, she's just great. Um, and I remember like going to her and being like, well, you know, this and that and this and that. And, and she was like, you, is that surprising to you? And I was like, well, when you ask, no, you know, like, um, and she said, you, you know, how can you manage your own expectations? And ever since she said that to me, I like hold that in my head. And that vacation message on my email has just helped me like manage my own expectations. You can't do it all right now. And so just let people know, I can't do it all right now. If it's an emergency, text me. But otherwise, like, we're, we're doing the best we can, right? Yeah. 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 And I so appreciated that about your message. I think the first time I saw it, I was like, what? Wait a minute. Wait, what? This <laughs> hmm. You know, and then it gave yeah. me pause, too, to think about, ah, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm letting you know that I may not respond to you right away. It may yeah. take me a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And so I did, I, I really did appreciate seeing your message for that because it, it is that reminder, I think too, also to just slow down. Yes. Something yes. that we, especially mm-hmm. in education, we don't, it, it is not even nope. valued to slow nope. down. Nope. Not at all. Yeah. And we miss so much because we don't slow down. That's it. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. And that, that change of pace, I think has also been a, it's been something that's come up for me a lot when people are asking about, you know, how I'm doing or how things are. And just that, like, I need a change of pace. Like I find myself saying that over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and recognizing that it's not just new to this year. But this year and that everything is ramped up and not actually following the pace of a pandemic (laughs) makes it then something that is just, okay, this is even more heightened than it normally is. Um, But yeah, I feel like we were ramped up before. We were asking each new generation to learn more and more and do things quicker and 
because we've got to get you ready and competition with other countries, like the pace. So that, yeah, that, that slowing down, um, it's something that I'm definitely trying to work on for myself mm-hmm. and it has to be intentional because <laughs> yes. I've been socialized <laughs> to, <laughs> to go and to that keep going. So true. So true. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've been so conditioned to be on the hamster wheel, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things when I stepped off the hamster wheel yeah. was that realization of, oh, wow, I can actually breathe now. Mm. <laughs> that that wow. sense of freedom yeah. Yeah. that it gives you, you know, when you just slow down. Mm-hmm. 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 I love that. Yeah. So tell me about a time when you felt successful with uncertainty in teaching and learning. Hmm. One one time that comes to mind, you know, I kind of given some thought to this idea, but then as you just asked it, one of the thoughts that came to mind for me is a class I've taught, maybe it's two years ago now, but when I was working at my former school, um, I taught a class called Storytelling as Empowerment. So my background is that I did education and undergrad education and art, knowing that I didn't want to be a full-time teacher, but I wanted the education background. I did my master's in um, counseling, family and marriage counseling, knowing I I don't want to be a full-time counselor. I want these skills, though. I want this background. Um, So when the school was like, oh, do you want to teach? I'm like, no, not really, (laughs) 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 but okay. And so I did for a semester in the class of storytelling as empowerment. Um, I had 10th through 12th graders in it. And that the whole thing was a b- big ball of uncertainty for me because there was a reality of like, I think I'm doing this because they're asking me, not because I'm like, yes, there's been this class I've been wanting to teach. Um, and so because of that, I'm like, I'm starting from scratch. Um, all summer, you know, like leading up to and just and trying to figure out like, what is this going to be like? And how do I prepare for the students? How do I have a good pace for the class? Right? How do I listen to all the things I've heard from students when they were just coming to my office? And now I'm going to be the one leading them. Um, and a lot of uncertainty around like questioning my own skills, like who am I to teach a class about storytelling? You've never taken a class about storytelling. <laughs> um, and how can I make sure that these students leave with but something a little more than they came with, right? Mm-hmm. Lots of uncertainty um, in that. But what brings me joy about it is was just leaning in. And I think in some ways being authentic about not coming in as an expert, you know, not trying to like take an online class and come in and say like, let me tell you the basics of storytelling, but to actually just like pause for myself and think about like, what it what is it that you want f- them to get from the class? So how do you bring that into the class? Mm-hmm. Um, and so instead of trying to pour everything from myself, <laughs> which wasn't going to happen, I actually brought voices into the classroom. And those moments sitting into the class and watching my students watch a YouTube video of one of my dear friends do you know tell a story about um, his relationship with his mom as, as he went to college as an only son, um, only child, that brought me joy to sit and watch. Like I'm connecting them with with my family, right? With my friends. Mm -hmm. And then also knowing that they're connecting, they've got a a, a black man talking to them in a class, right? Like, I don't know if that's happening in classes all around, right? We talk about diversifying our curriculum. What does that look like? Mm 
um, and being able to bring in narratives. I have a friend who, um, Jay Mace III, poet, um, activist, does really great work, a lot around um, his own trans identity and also weaving in like religion. Um, and he did a beautiful poem on the platypus. And I can't, it's one of my favorites to watch him do. And again, having my students watch that and having queer and trans kids in my class who even if they weren't out, were able to see themselves on the screen. Yeah. Um, and so that, there were so many uncertain moments. I mean, like, how am I gonna grade? I don't know, like, what, you know, um, but just really taking it beat by beat and honestly using them as my, um, as my meter. Mm-hmm right? Like how fast we're going, how slow we're going, what skills we've covered. Um, and, and allowing that the first few class meetings to just be about building community. Um, and that becoming my certainty is like the certainty is in these students coming every day and knowing that they're going to be heard, seen, valued, affirmed. We're going to be real with each other, what we didn't get done, what we need to get done. You know, like what needs to shift if there's a major moment, we, we've got room to pause here. Um, certainty around, we're gonna start every class with a 10 minute energizer. We're going to get to know each other. We're gonna have fun. We're gonna, um, and then the uncertainty just around everything else. I think because I could ground myself in, in those core things that felt really important to me, it helped me navigate the uncertainty um, and be, and feel good in the end. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's one that definitely, brought me joy as it yeah. continued to be <laughs> uncertain throughout. Yeah. yeah. There's just so much in that answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tend not to give and that, sure. <laughs> No, I'm, I was frantically writing as you were talking. And so I think I want to start with um, the, the, the point that you make about being student-centered. You listen mm. to them. And they were the certainty. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and you started with them as being the certainty to then create the certainty of a community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So with those two pieces in place, yeah. everything else could be uncertain, but there was yep. something that was grounding you. And you said what was most important to you. And it was your yeah. students. Right. Absolutely. And creating community. Absolutely. Um, and so when we talk about teaching and learning with uncertainty, it's not that everything is uncertain, yeah. right? But that we have to have something that grounds us. Yes. And it doesn't have to, and, and we don't need a plan for every second of that lesson. Yeah, yeah, not at all. we're wasting time with that, right? But if we can not find the all. things that ground us, that's really the core of what we want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Everything mm -hmm. else can be uncertain and fall right into place. Yes, that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And that's what it felt like. It really was the certainty was they were going to be there. <laughs> the certainty was yeah. like we were going to be there together. Um, and that right, the, the community we had established, the mm -hmm. trust we had established so that we could handle whatever then, you know, came about. So I... It was, it was such a great learning moment. I was completely overwhelmed that semester. <laughs> and afterwards I was like, yeah, no, I don't need to teach again. Thank you all so much. This has been great. Um, and I learned so much just even about like that I wanted to share with every teacher in this school. Um, but I knew that some of them would say, well, well, Tamisha, you had an elective and it was storytelling and it doesn't, you know, 
but I just wanted to share with them some of the ways that that those students responded and would tell me like, I wish we could do this in, right? Like, I wish we could do these energizers in math class and in our health class every day because, and I was like, okay, why? And I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, because those are uncomfortable classes. For math, it's like this, I've got to perform, I've got to know, and I'm getting into a small group with a group of people who we might be judging each other, I'm gonna be right. judged. So it would actually help to alleviate some of that if we could laugh together, get to know one another, build community. And for health, it's awkward. Yes. <laughs> and we're, you know, and, and they had reformed the, the health curriculum to really touch on topics that were important for our students to be talking about. You gotta be vulnerable. And it, you know, so they knew it would help us if we could release some of this. So there was also a lot of certainty, I think, that came from just getting to know those students and hearing authentically from them what they needed and desired from teachers. Um, and I was grateful to be able to create that space where they had the ability to experience a class in a different way, not because it was an elective and not because it was about storytelling, but because I, I was also trying to model for myself, what would this look like if, if I'm telling teachers to do, you know, what does this look like to actually on a biweekly basis, seek feedback from my students? Yeah. Um, I put up a start, stop and continue on the board halfway through the semester left the room, gave them sticky notes. What do you need me to stop doing? What do you want me to start doing? And what do you want me to continue doing? Mm -hmm. um, but be, you know, doing those things that I wanted others to do and then hearing from the students, like that's, we need more of that. We need more of those moments. Yeah, yeah and I think the only time that you, um, the only way that you can make space and be comfortable with that is knowing that it's okay to be uncertain. And this yeah. really is about them. It's That's about it. them. That's it. That's it. It's not about me as a yeah. teacher. It really is about them. And if I can't provide for their needs through this instruction, then yeah. I'm not really supporting them at all. Yeah. And we can we can steamroll and we can teach what we want to teach when we want to teach it. But how much they're actually taking in and learning of the curriculum, we don't we will never know. Well, we will know, you know. And at the same time, we're also teaching a whole nother set of values and skills mm -hmm. that to me really went against my own values. Um, and so I had to I had to model the flexibility, the being present with them and all of that. So because we teach so much more than what than the content, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, it reminds me of two things. <laughs> One is even just listening to you talk about it, I can hear the joy, but it also gives me this sense of playfulness. Yes, yes. Right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we talk about play and playfulness in education, people automatically, you know, mm -hmm. taboo. Mm -hmm. Oh, is this because, kindergarten? Right. <laughs> and because they think it is so uncontrolled. Yes. And they're, play is controlled by the participants of the play, right? Yeah. So it's not uncontrolled, it's controlled by the participants. Yeah. And if my, if my instruction is centered on my students that I'm, and I'm letting them play, they are controlling yes. that environment and yes. they're controlling their own learning, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful to sit back and watch that. Yeah. Because you learn so much about what they know and yeah. how much they push themselves because when we do step back they do push themselves they do right? they and it's do. because of their curiosity and in, in what yes. they're they're learning right and, and how that what they're learning is peaking even more curiosity but it's yeah that. and then there's this this notion of being flexible <laughs> yeah <laughs> how I do we not 
week. <laughs> and I'm laughing because, I, right, I think you asked the question, how do you not be flexible? Mm -hmm. you know, I think of a, a classroom has, however many students are in that class, that's how many unique personalities. Yeah, yeah. They're not all the same. Yeah. And just that fact right there requires mm -hmm. flexibility. Yes, that's it. That's Nothing it. Nothing else. That's it. Point blank. <laughs> Done. We don't need theories. We don't need yeah studies. Yeah, yeah. They're all different. Mm -hmm. So right away, I need flexibility, and and it's not differentiated instruction. I'm I'm not right. talking about nope. that. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> that means a whole bunch of other stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about being flexible to the needs yes. of those students. Yes, yes. Just brings it, it even that flexibility, I think, highlights and helps students step into that playfulness mm -hmm. mindset where they can start to discover for themselves yeah. more things than what yes. you had even planned in the lesson. Yes. When you when you mentioned playfulness, one of like a story came to mind for me because um in that class I mentioned I did 10 minute energizers every class and you know the students had their favorites. Well, there's this deck of cards I got one time at a store and it was it's like story cards for, you know, supposed to be for five, six year olds, uh -huh. large size cards. They've got little um, each card has a different either character or setting so that you can teach, I guess, a child how to tell a story. Um, I worked at a six through 12 my in, in a, at an independent school in Albuquerque, New Mexico um, once and had, you know, I would let the students come into my office when I wasn't there. I'm like, it's here because there's big windows. People can see what y'all are doing. Right. And I always kept a basket of toys on my desk. So they knew they could, if you needed to just come and de-stress. I come down the hallway one day and I see, I'm like, there's at least six to seven students in my office, seniors sitting on the floor of the office in a circle and they're playing with the cards and they're like, everyone has their deck and they're putting the cards down. They're telling these wild stories. And I'm, I was I mean, fascinated, like I'm just, I could not help but just sit there and just let them go. Yeah. Um, and they found so much joy. They kept, you know, they would come back like, can we have the cards again? And so many things came up for me in that moment. Of, again, like how much play are we depriving of these students that this was like this luxury moment for them and for me to actually see them not doing an assignment, not struggling over something that's supposed to be creative and they've got to figure out how to make it an A assignment, but they're actually playing um, and, and de-stressing and all of that. And so when I, I, I keep those cards now and I brought them into the storytelling class and absolutely it became the favorite, you know, which card deck are we going to use? And, and they loved it. And I could also tell there was this sense of like, you know, really having to remind themselves how to be creative. And how to how to have fun and play with these cards. And even if something's not on the card, I can add it. And um, the fact that that was their favorite game, like, you know, <laughs> twice, right, for, for seniors, yeah, for sophomores through seniors in high school, it says a lot, a game for five-year-olds um, of how much we are really stripping away, probably at five, <laughs> the creativity, the play, right. the imagination, and just the opportunity to actually have unstructured downtime to just do it yeah. um, as an understanding that like the students were learning in my office at that time, right? Like there, there's so much that they're learning that we, yeah. So at, when you said that that story came to mind, it, it still to me is one of the most like joyous memories I have of just watching these seniors de-stressed by like storytelling yeah. on their and own. I, 
I think that's a um, that, that's a fantastic story to even highlight the fact that playfulness can be a tool for wellness too, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for adults. Like we yes. as adults so often, and teachers especially, I think we so often step away from this notion of play. Yes. And yes. what it really brings us, right? If I can mm-hmm. come into a situation with a playful attitude, yeah. I don't take everything so seriously. So that I'm de-stressed right away. Yes. I'm not taking any of this seriously. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, my new favorite word is equanimity. And it's mm. really about coming in with that attitude of mm. openness and acceptance. That's play. Yeah. Play, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay. So there's a leak in the ceiling. I get it. We yeah. got to get it fixed. But it's a leak. I accept yes. it. I'm open to it. And I'm not going to stress about that. That's it. <laughs> That's it. You know? And, yeah. And if as adults, we could bring more of that approach to mm-hmm. our ways in which we teach and even out the ways in which we live. Yes. How yes. much more healthier could we be <sighs> if yeah. we have that, right? That's yeah. it. That's it. You, when you, um, oh gosh, let me not go, let me not let it drift away. Oh man, you were, when you were just saying something about adults and play, a question came to my mind is are, are adults uncomfortable with play because of the uncertainty that it like, you know, play is uncertain. You just, especially some of the games that I like to, you know, that I I like to present to adults to do and to students to do it's yeah. You don't, you don't, there is no right answer. Right. Right. Like it, it comes from you, the imagination. It just had me thinking as you were talking about it, like, is, is that where part of our, oh, discomfort with play is, is that, wait, what, what am I supposed to do? Give me the rules, give me the instructions versus having to navigate the uncertainty of it all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and just be creative in figuring it out. Right. Because I can, if I, I love anything where someone doesn't tell me the specifics of how it has to be done, Mm, because what that allows me to do is first of all, unpack my understanding of what I've learned that you want to see me demonstrate. Right. Mm. And then allows me to demonstrate that in a way that feels right for me and also can communicate how I understand, which is probably going to be very different from the person who presented it to me. Yes. But here's what my understanding is. And we just that that and the level of vulnerability that comes Mm -hmm. with that, too. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's the other part that makes people uncomfortable is such a level of vulnerability because, right, I I need to get it right. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And for me, right is what what's my truth about this? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You mm-hmm. know, and, and my truth is just as valuable as what you, what, what your truth was when you presented this to yeah. me. So here's yeah. Here's my truth and how I understand it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned, um, in your answer before, cause I can go, I gotta go back because <laughs> there was so <laughs> <Okay>. much. <laughs> But one of the things, you know, I'm intrigued by this notion of storytelling Mm. as as empowerment. Mm -hmm. Can you tell a little bit more about Mm. how you came up with that um, as an idea and for a class? And then, you know, just ways of thinking about how teachers might be able to include Mm. 
storytelling as a way to empower their students to yeah. their wings and step into playfulness and creativity and, sure. and their truth. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'll actually, I'll be authentic and vulnerable here because we were talking earlier, right, about like uncertainty and not needing to be perfect. The first thing that popped in my mind when you asked that is like, how can I type in real quick and pull up my syllabus and my <laughs> like my course description so that I can say this perfectly? <laughs> I just want to name that for everyone, right? <laughs> that I don't always have this like flexible and open. <laughs> and you know and what's powerful was just like go look it up. You got to say yeah. this right. <laughs> and I think it's powerful to to name that, right? Yes. Because we all experience that all the time, yes. right? As we just that snap of a moment where we think, oh no, we I, I got to get this right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if I can recognize that, it's easy for me to then step back and say, That's nope. It. Like pause just, yeah. and breathe. I can answer this without pulling up the syllabus. I know this. That's it. That's it. Oh, man. So storytelling is empowerment. <laughs> Let me tell a story about. Um, so part of what what when I, I, I came to the conclusion of that class, because one, I knew I, I wasn't going to be teaching a traditional course. I had not gone to school for any traditional subject. And our art teachers at the school were well beyond, you know, like, no, you all need to keep learning from them. I don't need to be teaching you. Like, they've got that. Um, and so I thought about my skills. And at the time I was serving as a, a here's the title for you, Dean of Adult Equity and Inclusion. And so I was, <laughs> so my lens was equity and inclusion. And when I thought about that, okay, what do I bring? Can I bring to the students? And I was thinking about empowerment, right? Mm -hmm. Because my role is to hope, you know, I, I want people to feel empowered, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so my thinking is that in that class that what I would be asking students to do is to first think about stories like that kind of who am I type story, right? Looking at ourselves, then to look at um, stories that other people tell. And then I wanted them to also kind of do some oral history project, right? And, and listening. So I'm not just, for, I'm telling stories, I'm hearing stories from other people, but now I'm actually listening to someone's story and having to retell it. Um, so that was kind of the arc of the class and really wanting them throughout that class to get more in tune with themselves, right? Like, or a piece of their identity and get comfortable sharing that. And what is it like to tell a story about myself and be open about that? and um, and feel more empowered in that particular um, area of my identity. And then also, how can I actually be a good listener as others feel empowered to tell their story? So it's not just about like, now just listen to me because I know how to tell a story. Um, and then thinking about the responsibility of storytelling as well. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge piece of it is that again, if we feel empowered, if others feel empowered to tell us a story, do we understand the responsibility if we're gonna retell that? Um, and, and the power that we hold with their story. So that's a little bit about what the class was like. And for me, the reason that I felt like uh, storytelling is empowering or storytelling as empowerment um, is just because it is. I think about the our voice and when we have an opportunity to speak our own truth, to share who we are, just even in this moment, me telling, me talking to you, right? This storytelling, it does so much to, um, to affirm who we are and to mm -hmm. firm our experience, um, to also provide perspective to, to, to others. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's what I felt like my role was at the school. So it felt like a class that also gave students a skill to then leave that classroom and, 
and feel empowered to be more of who they were, to share more of who they were, and then to also make sure that they're being present for others in a way that I would love to see everyone at the school do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and you had a, a question on the end of that, and that was, was it how can teachers include yeah. more storytelling? Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that comes to mind for me is, is, is thinking about the ways that we, I, I love what you said about, you know, when I can, when I can come up with the ways to show what I learned, right? Like, how are we in our assessments creating space for our students to, to show their learning, to tell us right, about their learning mm-hmm. in a way that also includes more about who they are? Um, there's a class that I'm co-teaching right now called Frameworks of Identity. It's for seventh and eighth grade students. And I am, there's an incredible co-teaching team. Um, and one of our co-teachers is also a academic technologist. And I feel like I've learned more in this year <laughs> with her as a co-teacher about different tools than I have, you know, in all my years in education. And she helped to craft a, um, a project at the end of our unit called the Choice Project. Mm-hmm. And the first unit was about, you know, identity, who they are. And so the students had five different ways that they could show us their learning about identity. One was um, cooking a family recipe, right? Recording yourself, but in that telling why this recipe is important to your family, right? Um, so you're learning about your heritage in that way. Um, another one is you could do a podcast with a family member. So you're mm-hmm. learning about another family member. Um, there's one where you could do an identity poem. So if you if your strength was in writing um, and, and also creative writing, that was an outlet for you. There's one that was also a, um, a collage. So if you felt like your strength was also sharing your learning more artistically, mm-hmm. you could create a collage. And I, I think I might be missing one, but you get, you know, you're getting yes. the, the idea of it. And I remember the first time I saw this choice project, I was like, this is incredible, <laughs> right? Like, And it's not that anyone was less rigorous because each of them had their parameters and the way that she set it up, it wasn't just here are the instructions. You went through a PowerPoint that then had you see someone modeling what you were gonna do. She gave you instructions, reflection questions. And and I just think about how that to me was storytelling for those students. Like they could show their learning in a way and tell story about who they were Mm in five different ways, right? And find the one that, that met their needs and their, their strength and, or a way that they wanted to challenge themselves. Um, so how can we get creative about infusing storytelling, not just even in one way into our classes? It, it doesn't just have to be, you know, tell me about a time when, um, but even thinking about visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I've talked to you before about what, how I would love to see more educators inf- infuse the use of visuals and drawing into students' learning. Because again, it, it's a tool for our storytelling as well. Like we, yeah. when you have to share with someone what this is on this paper, or why I drew it, what it means. Um, yeah, so a lot comes to mind for me, but I, I think the, the biggest piece, going back to what you were saying about playfulness, is just remembering that like anything new we're bringing into our class doesn't have to be this, you know, serious academic here's a theory behind it thing that we could bring storytelling into our class and we should and we should be playful about it it might be that you do an energizer at the beginning of class and some of it is you know a a telephone story where everyone has to kind of whisper a word at the end and it there are different ways but just knowing that when people are telling stories and when people are listening they're you're learning so much Mm -hmm. about yourself and each other and that no matter what form it's taken 
Um, so those are some things that come to mind for me. Yeah. You know, I'm intrigued by um, your inclusion of empowerment in equity mm. and inclusion work. Right. Yeah. And I say that because I don't think I often hear people talk about mm. empowerment, using that work as empowerment. Yeah. We use that work to be included. Yeah. <laughs> right. But we don't use it to be empowered. Yes. Um, yes. When you said that, I was like, oh, make a space for me. And I still don't have it, to be empowered to I'm do just anything. There. I'm just there. Right. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But if I'm using that to actually empower, that pushes me to the next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I think in, in the roles that I've had, and that one in particular, I think was really special because it was the first one that I think, when I think about that, those roles at schools, it was well done in terms of it's adults. Like, so instead of having every you know, student and teacher and fact staff parent board, like, hey, we're coming to you. I, I was centered with the adults. Mm -hmm. So I worked with the, you know, parents, faculty, staff, board and admin. And so my time could be concentrated and I had the ability to get creative about how to serve adults who often, you know, we're, we're, most mostly focused on serving the students. Right. And then we think about their parents. We're like, oh, cause you know, you're getting them here. But the people who are making this thing happen, they've got to have some care and attention. And so I found with my role that there was a, a hunger when I got into that role of people being like, great, now that you're here, right? Like, here's my experience. And, and even if there were things I couldn't immediately do, it felt good for them to have a landing place mm -hmm. for them to know that like someone is listening to my experience. Someone is, um, is, can give me feedback about my experience. It doesn't just jump straight to human resources. <laughs> like, yes. you know, I have a place to land. And so I often found that most of the work I was doing was, was empowering people, right? Like, how can you have this conversation with your colleague? How, how can we think about a creative solution about, you know, this, this thing? Um, and even in those moments where I'm like, yes, I agree with you. <laughs> and I don't know where to go with this. We can both be empowered and like, let's, let's be clear about reality here. Mm -hmm. And now we have a choice. Do you want to stay here? Right. Like mm -hmm. I'm, it's not my job to try to fake everyone out to stay here. I want you, let, let's just name that here are the realities of, of right now, the institution. Here's what doesn't jive with your values. Does this work? Right. Yeah. Um, and that being again, empowering, yeah. we all, we're all making these choices. So yeah, I, I don't know that I even have used that word. <laughs> in the work that I do until you were asking me about the class. And I realized that that is a lot of how I see my role. I don't know that schools see my role in the way I do, but that's internally how I do. Um, and it definitely is how I lead um, is just wanting to make sure that people feel empowered in the places that they're in. Yeah. Um, and again, I think for, it goes back to what I said about my students. I want people to feel seen, valued, heard, and affirmed. And to me, anybody that feels all those things, there's a certain level of empowerment then that you feel in a space. So yeah, it's our, our roles, roles, you know, director of diversity and whatever other names they come with these days. Um, we have a really special role, which can often be overwhelming. So we don't get to do sometimes the special pieces of it. Mm -hmm. um, and that is to really make sure that the folks that are most marginalized in those spaces are empowered in yeah. them as well. And I think it's going into those roles, 
it's important to define the role hmm. in mm -hmm. this lens of empowerment, right? Because yeah. a lot of times we go, we step into these roles and someone else is defining it for us when they really don't understand equity yes. and inclusion. <laughs> And so they're saying, well, this is how it's going to go. And I, you know, you question, mm. well, how do you know? Because you're not really clear about what this even means to you. Mm. So you can't really define it. So coming into that position, I need to be empowered enough mm. to step into it saying, wow. here's what this means. And I think just that thought about empowerment is yes. so important just for those stepping into these roles or in these roles currently to even think about the shifts you might want to make if yes. you are focusing on empowering people. Yes, you are telling my story right now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We anyone can create these roles, right? But it definitely is something different to understand what needs to happen and what does happen as as a person who's living out and, and doing the role. Um, and I had the pleasure yesterday of actually um, meeting with about five or six other equity practitioners and schools. Um, we did a, a DEI directors meetup mm -hmm. and I sat back and listened to, right. Some of them tell their stories about the, the schools they were in. And it was the most beautiful thing was two of the individuals on the call. You could tell how empowered they were in their roles because their institutions had given them space to say, okay, here, we hired you, right? I know you have expertise, which is why I hired you what do you think this position needs, right? Um, what's the structure that you think this office needs? How can we be doing this? And I, I just sat back and listened to them in awe yesterday and was so grateful to hear that there were schools doing these positions, right? Mm -hmm. um, because then you hear about all the things they're able to do and the ways that they're doing it. And I'm like, that's it. And you're not, could you have done it and feel disempowered? Absolutely slash probably not fully, you know, there's, right. gonna, you're, cause you're going to be hit with barriers. If you're not feeling empowered, like there's reasons why you're not feeling empowered, but you could see how they're flourishing and how they're getting creative about, wow. And I can do this and, and I can help this person do this and they can build capacity in their schools. So it's so important. It's yeah. so important. If you don't, if you don't really understand what it is you are birthing through these roles, you'll never see it blossom. Yeah. Yeah. You'll never see it blossom. Yeah, one of the reasons I got into coaching is is that notion of helping teachers flourish and thrive. Mm, yeah. You know, and, and knowing how I felt as a teacher and then how the teachers that I worked with as a consultant, as a professor at a university, mm. you know, knowing how they felt so disempowered. Yeah. Um that stepping into coaching was for me was about helping teachers regain that empowerment, that sense yeah. of joy that they came to education with, because in that sense of joy was their sense of playfulness and yeah. creativity and imagination. And they were risk takers, you know, yes. they were doing things yes. outside of the box. Um, not the right thing, <laughs> but they were doing things. <laughs> And yeah. they were learning from the things that they were doing as well as their students, right? Yeah. And so I've been working on too this this notion of um, a program to support school leaders in mm. creating environments that will center teachers when we are post pandemic, right? Ooh. Because we know how much 
how much, and I, I don't like the word trauma because it's so overused, I think, mm -hmm. but we know how many challenges people have experienced mm -hmm. with COVID. Not, not uh, you know, specifically, but we know that there's been a lot of challenges. Absolutely. And especially for teachers, right? Yeah. Teachers more so. Yeah. I was just talking to my daughter, who's a teacher, and she was telling me about an incident that happened in her district, and it was crazy what they yeah. were asking teachers to do. So you know, you you see these these requests that are made of teachers that yeah. so disenfranchises them. Mm -hmm. And so, how can I support school leaders in centering teachers when we reopen schools post pandemic, so <sighs> that? Yeah, create space for teachers to recover from this because that's yes. the first thing, right? They're gonna have yeah. to recover from the challenges that they've had to deal with. Yeah, in, in um dealing with the pandemic, and if I can make space to support them to recover and move forward at the same yes. time, right? Because I have to keep both of those things right. Going. Right. And if I don't make space for them to recover, it's going to be a disruption to the school. The school. Yeah. So can I make space for them to recover, move forward at the same time? While they're then empowering, they're feeling empowered. They start to feel empower their students. Yeah. Too, yeah. Right. And so we we come to this school environment that's a place of calmness. Mm -hmm. People have courage. Mm -hmm. They feel mm -hmm. confident. Mm -hmm. Right. The <laughs> risk taking. Right. Yes. They're yeah. doing all of these things, and kids are thriving and succeeding. Yes. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I think that is just so important for what we think about. And and it, it requires a plan, right? And and I'm yeah. not saying again, you know, we think about uncertainty. It has to have something yeah. to be grounded in. Yes, right? so yes. It needs a grounding yes. plan so that when all of the uncertainty happens. Yeah. Yeah. You've got something to to fall back on or to lean into because you've got mm -hmm. this grounding place. You you know where you're going and what you want it to be. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, there's just so much. <laughs> <laughs> you, you made me think of two things. So can I, can I share yeah. those? Um, yes. So the first is one, it, it popped back into my head as you were talking and, but it goes back to the question you were asking before about mm -hmm. teachers bringing storytelling into the classroom. And so this is a quick one, but just, I think about the, the technology that we're using now and the, We've had this technology prior to, you know, COVID. Um, we, we have we been using it as creatively as we could have been. No, but to me, when I when I told the stories about those the two examples of people that I brought into my class, um, that is a way that teachers can bring storytelling in their class. Is what are you teaching? What are the students learning? And who can tell a story about it from from the eye perspective? And now you don't have to just wait for them to come to your campus and do an assembly and be on a stage and visit your class. You can zoom them in. Mm -hmm. You can find a video on YouTube. You can pull a clip from a webinar. Um, so to not see storytelling limited just to what we're talking about in the class or who can be in my class at the same time that it's happening, which is so rare. <laughs> Right. you know, while we're doing this unit, um, but to actually think expansively about that. And especially again, who are the most marginalized students in my class and how can I make sure that they feel seen and whose stories are being told. And so if the curriculum that you have is limited and doesn't match the demographic of the students, or if you have a, a homogenous group, if you have an all white class and the curriculum is all white and you know that they actually need to, right? Like, right. They need different stories. 
bring in those those stories virtually. Like mm -hmm. we we have the tools. There are so many people that would be willing to tell a story, record it, and share it. Um, so that's I wanted to to loop back to that to make sure that that was said. Then the other thing that you just had me think about when you were talking about being grounded is um, Elena Aguilar's book Onward mm -hmm. um, for teacher resilience mm -hmm. and. I did an exercise with my faculty and staff, again, maybe two years ago, it was at the beginning of a school year. And I don't know why this school year was a mess, but I feel like every year that I was in a <laughs> independent school, every August was like, well, here we are. How do we ground, you know, how do we help these teachers come into the school year knowing that the summer was, you know, a mess. Um, and I did an activity with them called Anchor and Buoy. Mm -hmm. And I had them um, think about their anchors, you know, what, what are those things that, that really ground you, you know, that in when that moment, when everything is a mess, you can really just say like, okay, hold on, <laughs> yep. you know, what grounds me. And then at the same time, what are your buoys? What are the things that lift you up? You know, what are those things that when, when things are hard <laughs> and down, mm -hmm. you know, you can kind of rely on to bring you up and, and, um, oh, I had an ambitious goal again. Cause I'm like, I'm bringing in play. I'm bringing in art. Y'all are, we're doing this. Cause this is a nine through 12 school. So, you know, they can get yeah. really hard, like the subject area. <laughs> so I went to a, a, a rock place, a landscaping place. And mm -hmm. I literally picked out hand picked out rocks. Um, and every teacher had to pick a rock and I, I gave them like little art pens and they had to decorate the rock with their, you know, either the anchor or buoy so they mm -hmm. can sit on their desk. But it, you, what you were talking about in terms of how do we ground teachers, um, it made me think of that activity, but also that book, because we then use that book throughout the school year. And it really, I think, helped to ground people mm -hmm. um, in, in coming back to like, yeah, this month is rough, but hold on. <laughs> like, you know, I, I have a, a value right now that I can actually bring to mind that can right. help ground me right now. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that that is values is the core of mm -hmm. the, the work that I am creating now is that yeah. we have to first start with identifying what's important to us as an individual, right? Yes. And then for the school leader to help teachers align their personal values to the organizational values, yeah. right? Because I can hold on when I see there's yes. alignment between what I believe is important and what the school believes is important. Yes, yes. Even though it may seem crazy right now, right? <laughs> but if I can see how they're aligned, yeah, feel the alignment, I can hold on. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. So it almost becomes a buoy and a, I mean, an anchor and a buoy at absolutely. the same time because I can see it. So the importance of, you know, starting with values yeah. and then aligning those values is really the heart of of that work right mm -hmm. and then my values the values grounds allows the principal the school leader to actually constantly bring teachers back to yes what this is what's holding us down that's it that's <laughs> this is it. what's lifting us up here it is you know you yeah. said this in the beginning let's bring that back in here how does this what we're about to attempt now how does it fit in yeah with this, yeah you know? And um, I think that's just a critical um, thing that is needed in order yes. to really support teacher wellness. Mm -hmm. You know, we, research has told us that the teacher is the most important thing in the school. Absolutely. But if we aren't taking care of them, I'm and telling we you, yes, you know, we, we see school as being student centered. And I'm not saying we don't center students, yeah. but for the school leader, their job is to center the teachers so that the teachers then can center the students. That's it. That's it.
that's it. That's how I explain my role. People say, why, why do you need a dean of adult equity? Isn't this a high school? What about the students? And I say, well, first, we have a team that works with the students. Right. <laughs> I'm here to support the teachers so that they can better support the students. Because if they feel cared for, right, like if, right. if, if I'm working with them, if they've, you know, if I feel a little bit more whole, I'm going to come into my classroom a little bit more whole. I'm more present for my students. I'm able to, yeah, that teacher wellness, um, it's, def- it's been on my mind too. Yeah. What, what is the summer going to look like for them? Will they have a summer again, knowing the uncertainty that we're going into, you know, um, for next summer? And what does that mean for our teachers? How many teachers have we lost because their wellness isn't being centered? Um, and we're trying to keep a pace. Yeah. That yeah. I just impossible. heard um, President Biden say, you know, it may mean that teachers may have to be in school in the summer. And I was like, oh, no, you can't do that to them. <laughs> like. I, I understand the reason why yeah. like, I do understand that, but they need a break. You know, I was going to say, you don't want to see what that's going to be. <laughs> right. And, you know, with the, all the inclement weather that's happening because yeah. schools have shifted to virtual, they're still making teachers teach on these Absolutely. days that typically would have been a snow day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so when are they getting that time oh. to just rest? I can't imagine. I can't not I being a teacher day to day. I cannot imagine being and hearing that. And and part of the conversation that people have been having, right, is like, when people say the students are going to be left behind this year, you know, or, or the, the students are going to be so behind, how are they going to catch up? And that reminder of like, we, we, we should be setting the pace. So if guess what y'all, we're all going to adjust, you know, let's not try to stuff a year into a summer for students. Let's not try to hold, you know, we all down the entire line have got to adjust now. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that backs that flexibility of mm-hmm. all times to be flexible. Here we are. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. And I think that brings up the important point, too, of how do we even define learning? Because mm. for me, when I heard that, I, uh. I wrote a blog about this um, because it was driving me crazy to hear people say, oh, these kids are going to be so far behind. And I'm like, yeah. no, they're not. So, you know, there is so much w- when we think truly about learning. Mm-hmm. I learn something every day, every day. I don't have to be in a classroom. Nope. I learn something every day. Yeah, yeah. And so these kids are learning. I had a friend who just was sharing with me about her kids learning how to use some technology and they're communicating with each other. Through yeah. this. And, it, and it's not like a social media thing, but they've used it to create things about themselves that wow. they're sharing with each other during the school day, mind you. Of but course. Still, yes. <laughs> they're sharing it, right? Yeah. And, the 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 complexity of what they learned yeah and how to share it with each other yes and you say oh but they're going to be so far behind no they're not yeah there's so so many skills they're gaining and the key is how do we tap in to those strengths Mm -hmm. that they've they've now discovered because school didn't before didn't allow them to discover that but they have discovered these strengths that they have how are we tapping into those strengths yeah to move them to the next level, to move yeah. them forward, right? Versus saying, well, you missed how to multiply. So now we're going to go and we have to teach you all of second grades how to multiply because you didn't get that last year. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Bring them in. We have to it's accept coming. them for mm-hmm. who they are and what they come in with. Be open yes. to that and figure out how to take what they're bringing with them, their That's unique it. gifts and talents. Yeah. And move them forward. That's Some it. are going to move forward really quickly. 
some are going to move forward a little slower. Yeah. But the goal is that we move them forward. But if we bring them in and try to drill and kill them because of the things mm-hmm. that they've missed, we're going to lose even more kids. That's it. That's it. And teachers. Yeah. And yeah. teachers. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I could go on and on and on. This has been such a great conversation. I really, I've enjoyed it too. Like you said, I have my little notes here too. I'm like, oh yes, I remember <laughs> something I need to, I want to take with me. Yes, <laughs> I've enjoyed it. I have so enjoyed this conversation because in everything, you know, the things that, that kind of stick with me is empowerment mm-hmm. um, and storytelling as mm-hmm. a tool for empowerment, right? Mm-hmm. You know, cause I was even thinking as you were sharing one of the examples, kids could even tell the story of how they understood something they yes. learned in the class, right? So I don't even, I, I don't necessarily have to always have an outside voice. I can have, and yes. the different levels of students explaining, this is how I understood it. That's yes. a story, right? It is, absolutely. From the perspective of the ways in which I learn and I understand. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how mm-hmm. empowering is that? Because we know that there are kids in the class who don't get it. They don't, they're yeah. not going to shoot their hands up right away. And they really feel like, I don't get this, so it doesn't matter anyway. Mm-hmm. And they've gotten mm-hmm. something from it, but we haven't created the space for them to tell their story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And understand where... Because when you when you talk about right storytelling in that way, if I'm if I'm sharing my learning with you, if I'm telling you a story about my learning, right, how I got to to where I am, mm-hmm. um, like here's my answer. Let me tell you how I got there. You also understand the points at which, oh, okay, I see what you know. I, yeah. I see where you. Um, we we can learn so much more about our students when we know about their learning. Yep. That's not just, uh, did you get the right answer, but also the, how did you get there? And the yep. story is it is in the, how did you get there? How did you get there? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Cause it's yeah. about the process, not the product. That's it. You That's know, it. school is really based on the product, the outcome, but it, it, the learning happens in the process. Yes. Not That's the, it. The outcome, the product. Mm-hmm. So as we bring this to a close, um, what question did I not ask you that you wish I would have asked? Mm, great question. Gosh, now I'm like, I don't know. There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even know because I feel like our conversation has just, yeah, okay. you've stumped me now. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> well, you know, because sometimes people feel that, that there are, there are things on their heart that they really Yes, want. yes. And we may not have gotten to that. So I always want to make space for, yeah. What else was there? What, no, what, I, what else was there that you wanted to say that yeah. you make the space for? Yeah. I appreciate it. But honestly, I think that this, this whole entire conversation, right, has filled a void that I've appreciated, which is educators having conversations about creativity, play, uncertainty, joy, that to me, um, that's everything. And I I wish there were more opportunities for educators to, in your professional development day, actually be able to tell stories, right, about um, to experience uncertainty, to play, and, and to also talk about what this looks like in our classroom and in our learning. So this for me has been such a really beautiful conversation, not, you know, like, the uncertainty of where it was all going to go. 
there's been nothing that I, you know, feel like, oh my gosh, I really need to say because what, what we have been able to talk about is truly, I think for me, my passion, what I feel, what brings me joy. So yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that, your story. Thank you. Stories. <laughs> with us um, and just taking the time out to, to engage in this conversation with me because I do feel like if I could get this into every teacher's hand right um, and 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 be able to provide them with some support too because I know to yeah. say uncertainty and playfulness yeah. is scary for some people yeah yeah you know? and and so how what are ways in which you might need support you know in yeah. order to at least dip your toe into this. Let's let's start small. That's it. That's it. <laughs> you know, but let's start because yeah. we we can see the value in this for for students to actually yeah. thrive and grow. And I hope so our I, school leaders that hear it too dip their toe into it. Yes. Right, and lean in because I think that you the impact is real. Like right. Yes. Um, if I'm a school leader that brings that then into my meetings and people see that it's valued and not something that they have to be scared of me saying like, I'm sorry, this isn't rigor. Um, yeah. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I don't exclude school leaders mm-hmm. <laughs> because really, you know, they are, they're the ones responsible for the environment That's it. and we have That's to create it. the environment for which teachers can feel like they can take risks. They can That's be it. courageous and, um, not feel afraid to do that. Yes. They can be vulnerable, you know, um, and there is space for them to to have yeah. all of them bring all of them to yes. the school building, uh, you know. And I, when I started this work, one of the things I thought about was when I first started teaching. I remember, and I don't know who told this to me, but I remember someone always saying, "You leave your your baggage at the front door mm-hmm, of the school, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you pick it back up when you leave at the yeah. end of the day." And I remember how many days I went into school trying to leave the bag yeah. at the door, but realizing that I, that I can't let this, like this, I can't take off. That's it, this is me. <laughs> this is me. I am the baggage. Right, I, I, I can't like peel this off and put it down here. I gotta bring it with me. Yeah. And, and learning how to manage that so that I could get the day, right? And how I had to create the space for myself because there was no one else there to to, to recognize yeah. that I needed space and create that space for me. Um, mm. So if I can support teachers and, and, and school administrators in creating those kind of environments, I'm I, I'm, in, I'm doing all that I can to, to support yeah. the profession that I truly love, yeah. And if, if you think back to then those moments where you had to like, okay, I'm leaving it, I'm leaving it, right? Like, and the amount of, of mental work and exercise that, that takes to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if that is then, if that's become your way and your mantra, and if that is your way and your mantra as a leader as well, then having that wellness um, factor in mind for your teachers, it's hard to do because mm-hmm. what you're expecting them to do is to do what you're able to do. And we like, we don't have the capacity to sustain that long-term. And when we are sustaining it long-term, we actually might be detaching from some of our emotions and feelings that are allowing us to then have the level of empathy we need for our teachers <laughs> to then, it, it's all cyclical. It it's is. all cyclical. It is so yeah. cyclical because even the, the amount of compassion that we even need for our students. Yes. And then when we think about Oof, equity compassion. and inclusion, mm-hmm. well, if I've got to leave my stuff at the door and harden myself. Yeah. I, there's no space for me to think yeah. about equity. No, and the equity impact is... that's going to have on my students. Right. Suck it up. Do yeah. right. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. 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 That's it. 
Okay, I'm gonna end. I know we're supposed to keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Done. No more insights. (laughs) That is okay. This has been fantastic. Um, I am so happy to have had this time to talk with you. Thank you. I'm glad you invited me. I hope that we do this again because I think we had a lot to share with people and maybe we can choose one topic and maybe go really deep in that one to provide people with some support, you know, school leaders or teachers, some real support that they could do to kind of dip their toe Mm -hmm. into Mm -hmm. uncertainty, play, vulnerability, flexibility, and while being grounded. That's it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a treat. Tamisha reminds all educators that storytelling is a way to create space for the adults and the children we work with to be seen, valued, heard, and affirmed. She also reminds us to think about what are your teaching and learning with uncertainty anchors and buoys. Until next time. Mm -hmm.